June 18th, 2023, Father's Day last year, I delivered a message here in this church on the fatherhood of God. Preaching about the reality and blessing of being the adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. And how to be a child of God through faith in Jesus is to be the heir of God and the joint heir of Jesus Christ. That his destiny forever in heaven is our destiny forever in heaven. That was 40 minutes. The last nine minutes I spent on the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. And a little bit about this one son's desire to learn finally what that means and why it is so important and how indeed to honor my own father and mother. And this morning, I want to begin by taking us to heaven in the vision to see what John uh, in Revelation 5 saw and what he heard around the throne of God about creatures, about angels, about us and our destiny. And then I looked, he said, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor, our word of the morning, and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. This morning, the big idea of this message, the one thing to know, that truth that God desires to burn into your heart so that you will remember it forever is this. An eternity of honoring your Father in heaven begins with a lifetime of honoring your father and mother on earth. May I say that again? An eternity of honoring your Father in heaven begins with a lifetime of honoring your Father and Mother on earth. And here again is that lifetime command. Honor your Father and your Mother. This is the fifth of ten commandments given first to Moses on Mount Sinai, etched by God on two tablets of stone. 
and the first commandment with a promise. Turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. We'll be there for just a moment, but I want you to not only hear it, but I'd like you to see it. About six months after leaving Egypt, Moses and the children of Israel were camped around Mount Sinai. And God called Moses up to the summit of the mountain to deliver his law to his chosen people. And in verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If you'll flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. After a 40-year journey in the wilderness, wandering, that which should have taken 11 days to reach the promised land, Moses stood before a new generation of people. The first generation had died for their unbelief and their idolatry and gave this second restatement of God's law just weeks before he, Moses, died. Honor, verse 16, your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long And that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. To explain or give the meaning or to exposit this six-word command would be, I think, to ask and then try to answer these questions. Who are my father and mother? Second, what does it mean to honor each of them? collectively and individually. And so, what does honor mean? Why does God command this honor? And how do we honor our father and our mother? Let's check off the easy one first you know who your mother and father are. Some of you, it's more complicated because it may include adoption, may include blended families, it may include having been raised, being raised, parented by a relative, a grandparent, or someone else even. What does it mean Honor. What does that word mean? We're going to see this morning both in the two passages that we've already seen in the Old Testament and then in a gospel passage where Jesus reiterates the same commandment and then again in an epistle passage where Paul reiterates this same commandment. We're going to see two words, a Hebrew word for honor and a Greek word for honor. The Hebrew word for honor is kavad, kavad. And kavad is an interesting word because it really has two shades, two opposite shades of meaning. First, it means to be heavy. 
to be weighty, to be burdensome or grievous or hard. Or it can mean to be rich and to be honorable, to be glorious, to be honored. A couple examples of how it's used in Genesis 18, the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, covet. In Genesis 13, now Abram was very rich, covet, in livestock and silver and gold. And then used as it is in the commandments in Deuteronomy 28, be careful to do all the words of this law that are written in the book that you may fear this glorious kavad, an awesome name, the Lord your God. In other words, to kavad is to see the gravity. It's to see the extreme weightiness of something or someone, good or bad. What then is the meaning of kavad? Honor your father and your mother. It is that we are to see and submit to the extreme gravity of what God finds good in father and in mother. And who says that they are good? Well, God himself, Yahweh, our heavenly father, says that they are good in a command. The New Testament word for honor, timao, Timao. And this is the same word that when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, the word kavad was mostly timao in the Greek. And the word timao means similarly to fix a valuation upon. And then by implication, to revere, to value, to venerate, to honor. Jesus used this word in regards to God the Father and God the Son in John chapter 5, verse 23, that all may honor Timao the Son just as they honor Timao the Father. Whoever does not honor Timao the Son does not honor Tema'o, the Father who sent him. And the point is that to honor requires that we raise and elevate the value of others who are to be honored, while at the same time lowering our own value in our own eyes. This is why to honor is so hard. But it's also why honor is so necessary for God's children. (coughs) 
you turn to Matthew chapter 15, we'll look at verses 1 through 9, where Jesus will repeat, honor your father and your mother. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they said, Matthew 15, 1 through 9, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. In other words, they don't participate in the ceremonial ritual washings. Jesus did not answer their question, but asked them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus adds this from other places in the law. Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Jesus quoted from Leviticus 29 and Deuteronomy 27.16, For anyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. He's cursed his father or mother. His blood is upon him. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Verse 5, Jesus continues, But you say, you Pharisees, if anyone tells his father or mother, What you would have gained from me is given to God. And therefore, I don't need to honor my father. You've probably heard preaching or teaching on this this principle, this this concept of, of korban. And essentially, it was a man made tradition developed by Jewish leaders over the years to. Uh, establish uh, a, a twisted excuse to not financially care for needy, dependent parents by taking a otherwise legitimate way to give to God via the temple treasury. I'm not going to explain it other than that Jesus says it is absolute hypocrisy and financially caring for needy dependent parents is one important biblical way of honoring father and honoring mother and this was another how that I was going to have to learn Jesus continues verse 6 so for the sake of your tradition you've made void the word of God you hypocrites Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus says that honor must come from the heart. That's the hardest place for us to find honor. Finally, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 
You can turn there if you wish. He repeats, now again, honor your father and your mother. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's so important, parents, that consistently you make this connection in your own home with your own children that Paul makes here this connection between obedience and honor. Obedience for a season of life. Honor for a lifetime. It's important also that that you provide the example for your children in how you honor your own parents. To obey mom and dad is to honor and obey God himself. And I would say a word to those of you children, teens, living still in your parents' homes, that as regenerated Christian young men and young women, you need to embrace this connection for yourself. I'll share a little bit later how I didn't do that. Paul offers some very practical how-tos in how to honor parents and grandparents in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, and then 8. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. Maybe you have parents who are widows, or grandparents who are widows. But if a widow or widowers, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them, let the children, let the grandchildren first learn how to show godliness, how to show honor to their own household and to make some return to their parents and grandparents. Why? For this is pleasing in the sight of God. It's about 20 years ago that I received, um, out of the blue, a phone call from a pastor in the Philadelphia area that I didn't know who was the pastor of my widowed grandmother, my mother's mom. And they, the church, had taken upon them the financial responsibility, or at least a part of it, for my grandmother to live in a care facility. And the church could no longer afford that 
financially. And so the pastor rightly got on the phone and called my mother and her siblings, none of whom said, none of whom could meet that financial obligation on behalf of their mother. And so he kept going down the list to me, the grandson. And I had, had taught several times 1 Timothy. I had been taught several times 1 Timothy. And I knew these verses. He said, Tim, we need $1,000 a month. Or your grandmother needs $1,000 a month. Can you help? It was hard. But I said, of course, I must. I must figure a way. And I did, and I learned something about the cost of honoring mother, father, grandmother, grandfather. Verse 8. Paul says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What is worse than an unbeliever? Even a professing believer who will not honor as God would have his mother his father. I had a lot of lessons to learn about honoring my father and mother. And I want to speak again to those of you who are still living in your parents' homes. Are you 18 yet? I don't know where exactly that comes from in our culture, but I know this. It was marked on my calendar as Freedom Day. (laughs) To be released from jail. The jail of of the rule of my, my mother and my father, who, by the way, were believers in Jesus Christ, believers in the Bible, Believers in the gospel. Men and women who the best they knew how were following Jesus Christ in everything that they did. But I did not dwell enough on what was so good and godly in my parents. I dwelt instead on the tension, on the disagreements, and the battles, and the fights, and on Freedom Day. Where I announced right before graduation that though they wanted me to go to ASU and to live at home, I would not be doing that. I would be going to the U of A and I would be living away from home. Bear down. Which I did. And there was 
an estrangement of sorts, not a total break of relationship or rapport or communication, but in my heart at least there was dishonor. There was very much dishonor. Got married three years later to my wife of 44 years now. <clears throat> and um, I tell the story that the easiest command in all of Scripture for me to ever obey was to leave and cleave. I'd already left. And that brought me into my 20s and 30s that I would characterize as my relationship with my mother and my father as just making peace by staying as physically or as emotionally distant as necessary. I would begin as I had children and as I really would contemplate wanting to be a man who would please God in all of my life and all of my relationships, that I was not living in honor of my father and my mother. God providentially brought circumstance to help refine me and to grow me up. And it was sudden, but its impact took a long time in my life. When my mom was in her early 60s, she had a stroke. And Kim and I did something that was I can't, you don't know, it was anathema, it was unthinkable, it was never, ever, ever under any circumstance, but dad, mom, come live with us. Come live in our master bedroom and master bath that we just had remodeled that we've never taken a shower in while Kim and I live in the nine-by-nine nine bedroom down at the end of the hall with a trundle bed that fills up a nine-by-nine nine bedroom, allowing no other furniture next door to the washer and dryer, which now for a family of eight was going constantly. It was a difficult 18 months. But I learned as did Kim, and even our children, important lessons, I think, about honoring, even when there perhaps is not the gratitude that one would expect, for example. Well, I certainly wasn't done on my journey to become a son who would truly learn to honor my father and my mother. More providence, more circumstance. 
with health on the part of my parents, with finances on the part of, of my parents. And though they lived uh, on their own and had resolved that they would always live on their own, they would die holding hands in their own home, and they needed nothing, nothing from us, from me, from my family, my brother's family, nothing at all. Even as day to day, week to week, they needed more and more and more. And so the era the phase, the season of ministering, serving them, honoring them, trying to honor them from the heart as well as the lips, as well as the hands, as well as the time and the effort, everything in their own home until it just had to change. My father's favorite thing in life, other than singing hymns, which he loved, was to drive his car. Why? Freedom. Autonomy. To go where you want, when you want to go. Until your son, your oldest son, probably two or three years late, according to the rest of the family, finally chose to honor his father by taking away forcibly his most precious possession. Because honor doesn't always mean compliance with someone else's wishes. It means agapao, loving, sacrificially, thinking about what truly is God's best for someone and then acting upon that. And then moving them away from their home into a care facility that they swore they would never, ever, ever go into. And then to coming alongside the caregivers who will never and can never care for your parents or your grandparents the way you can and will. And so it's wonderful to have people there, but it means that you don't have to maybe spend 24-7, but you're still committed. You must be still committed to their, to their care. And again, not wanting to be cared for, not wanting to have things done for them, it's been a journey. My parents, my mother, and my father have not always been easy to honor. But that's never the point. 
ever, ever, ever. I'm sure I won't be, and maybe even am not now, so easy to honor. But that isn't the point either. The last um, part of my message on Father's Day was that I was going to, that afternoon, go and visit with my mom and dad, and I was going to especially, intentionally, offer my dad, again, still more words of encouragement and praise and honor. I told you last year that his dad, who was a Princeton Seminary trained reformed pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who had been having a secret affair with the housekeeper, one night stole off with that woman and left my seven-year-old father, his 10-year-old brother, and my grandmother behind forever. And that my dad carried that wound and that hurt in his heart all of his life. And I went over and I told my dad how thankful I was and how I honored him for never leaving me for never leaving my brother, for never leaving my mother, for never leaving the Lord. His word, his truth. And my mom wept. My dad was somewhat indifferent. Six weeks later, my mom died. It was a sweet, sweet six weeks with my mother. The sweetest that I've ever had. My issues, really for most of those years, certainly the early years when I announced my leaving, it was, it was with her. I guess we're too much alike. Not a reason to dishonor, ever. No. But it was a sweet six weeks. The weeks, the days have uh, not always been sweet with my father. Especially with me. A little bit with him. Not so much with Kaylee. The apple of his eye. The granddaughter who he would pray with and sing with. Wonderful. Wonderful. A reminder. I had to be reminded even between services by Kaylee. of all that was so good 
and valued in my Father. But there were times, too many times, even Dan and Carol were in his room the last time we were there together. And, and uh, thank you for your, your ministry to, to my father, to my mother, to others even in this church and beyond. It is such an incredible blessing that you would honor my father and mother as you have. It's been an encouragement, an example to me. But we had a particularly bad day, a string of many bad days, really a string of not-so-good years, where more and more um, the bitterness in the anger that my dad had carried, I think, through the years with respect to his dad. And through my father's dementia and then just the process of dying and end of life and how, how God works in his children to, to prepare them to, to come home and be with him. I don't pretend to understand how that all works. But anger, bitterness, I would call it hatred, violence, directed towards me, but he started calling me dad. And then again, dad, I didn't think of it, much of it the first couple, three times, but it became a consistent pattern. I really believe my dad was wrestling with God about his relationship and his lack of forgiveness so that he could honor his father. And Kim and I prayed, and people at this church prayed, and I didn't know it was the last time I would ever see him Friday afternoon, the 16th of February, before he would pass away and I would learn about it after that members meeting on Friday night. But he wasn't real lucid. His words were not clear. His eyes were open and closed, but he was awake, and we were listening together in his room to hymns. And even in his unintelligible speech, he was singing along to the words of the hymns. And he was clenching my hand, and I his. And I prayed the prayer that I had been praying that he would pray and I prayed it out loud and I prayed it for him and I don't know I don't really know but the prayer was God my heavenly father thank you for forgiving me 
of all of my sins so that I can forgive others, so that I can forgive my dad who left me, who wounded me, who hurt me so deeply so that I can honor him in my death. I prayed that for him, with him, as my prayer. And all I know is that night, as my dad was face to face with his Savior, Jesus Christ, he was at peace. And there was no more sorrow, there was no more sin, there was no more anger, strife, discontentment. It's that peace in his Savior's arms. Don't wait to your dying breath to forgive. Don't wait to your dying breath or your father or mother's dying breath to honor. Because in honoring father and mother, we honor our Lord. And it's how we learn to honor. We have to learn to honor the perfect one who alone is worthy of our honor. That's not enough. We have to die to our own self-honor so that we can honor Him with all of our lives. How much more? Is it difficult? Is it hard? Does it require divine intervention and sanctification to honor the unhonorable? Like ourselves. One thing to do. One thing to know. The one thing to know? An eternity of honoring our Father in heaven begins with a lifetime of honoring our Father and Mother on earth. One thing to do. God, pierce my heart. To change my heart. So that my thoughts and words and actions towards my father and my mother would honor them so that I will honor you. For some of you, your current state of honoring needs to be more. And from more than to all and complete. But perhaps for some of you, your honor of your father and your mother needs to go from none or from reviling or dishonoring to stop, turn, trust, Start 
and grow. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for never giving up on us. For being faithful to us even when we are not faithful to you. God, could we ever please have the grace to live that way towards others. By your grace, would we live by grace and give us the grace to honor you by honoring our Father and honoring our Mother to your glory and our good in Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.